This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Well, due to some lengthy shows tonight, I'm relegated to the back of the studio where there's an old comfy chair that I'll just settle in and listen in along with you. The first show tonight belongs to that rubber-faced clown, Red Skelton. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Red Skelton back again. See, last week, President Truman took our time. (laughs) I knew once he'd get to the people that listened to me, he'd get in. Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. <laughs> yes, it's the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family walk. Metro Golden Mayor, the star of our show, Red Skelton. Thank you very much and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Rod, you know anybody who wants to buy any old Dewey buttons? <laughs> uh, did you vote red? No, I voted American. <laughs> I laugh myself. I don't want to get lonesome tonight. <laughs> now, you know what I mean. Yeah, it was an exciting mean. election, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone thought Dewey would sweep the country. Yeah, but little old Harry stole these brooms. <laughs> I uh, wonder how the candidates felt after the election. Well, after it was over, Truman passed cigars, Dewey passed the buck, and the last we heard from Wallace, he was still passing the hat. <laughs> I hear tomorrow night that Wallace and his party is holding a mass meeting in a telephone booth. (laughs) You know the guy I feel sorry for is Dr. Gallup. (laughs) What happened to Gallup? He slowed down to a walk. (laughs) Well, I wonder what Gallup will do now. Oh, he'll probably go up in the mountains and become editor of Literary Digest. He found out that there's more voters than you can shake a pole at. <laughs> Did you watch the election returns come in over television? No, all I could get was the World Series. The World Series was played weeks ago. I know, but I'm behind on my monthly payment. <laughs> so they showed me the, the old telecast. Next week, I get to see gorgeous George wrestling at the age of two. <laughs> 
almost cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. Well, I'm... <laughs> You mean to tell me that Tide is the best sudger that ever hit the pike? Am I right there, Ron? Did I? You're dead right. Dead all right. <laughs> because Procter & Gamble's Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any other suds, any other washing product known. Tide works its magic on everything. From your Sunday linens to your everyday work clothes. Tide leaves them free from dirt plus. Because Tide also removes dingy soap film. Yet with all this special cleaning power, Tide is safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, it actually brightens soap dull colors. Gives those gay prints and pastels an amazing lift. And here's what the Tide Touch does for white things. In hardest water, Tide gets shirts, curtains, and napkins dazzling. Whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too. Week after week. Never turns them yellow. As Deadeye says, there are stacks and stacks of wash day products... But of them all, only Tide gives you this three-way miracle. The cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I've got to tell you folks listening in what we're laughing at. We have one actor on the stage that got drunk the other night and cut his own hair. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, here are the four knights who will sing Alabama Bound. Goodbye, blues, birdies are singing, every old thing's in tune. A rosebud in a stone, so I'm going where there's more. I'm Alabama bound There'll be no heebie-jeebies hanging round Just gave the meanest ticket man on man All I'm worried To put my tooses in an upper bird Just hear the choo-choo sound I know that soon we're going to cover ground And then I holler so the world will know Here I go I'm Alabama bound, woo-woo-woo, I can hear the choo-choo whistle blow, watch that engine as we start to glow. Now we're in Baltimore, and we're knocking at Dixon's door. Hey, what's that, Bill? Louisville. We passed there before, fields of cotton tell me where I am, hear the fella yelling Alabama, Mammy, Mammy. You better get your kisses ready for your honey lamb. I'm at a family bound. There'll be no heebie-jeebies hanging round. Just be the meanest ticket man on earth. All I'm worried to put my tussies in an apple bird. I'm just a lucky hound to have someone to put my arms around. That's why I'm shouting so the world will know. Here I go. I'm at a family
people you will meet sooner or later. That, that's enough, that's enough. That, hey, that's enough. We're selling Tide and Camay, not Lava. <laughs> Have you ever met someone who has a screwball idea but no money to put it over? I met a guy like that the other day, Clem Cadiddlehopper, and you'll meet someone like him, too, sooner or later. <laughs> Kill a song if nothing else. Well, well, there's the tree that Daisy June and I carved our initials in. Yes, sir, it says DJ Loves X. (laughs) Oh, it's kind of cool today. Fall is really here. Mother Nature's painted everything a new color. Sure wish you'd give me a few dabs, too. I don't care for the shade of green I am now. No, I'm not worrying about my looks. If I become a success... With my flea circus, boy, I'll have being them uh, up to my ears and money. First my ears hang so low to the ground now that you can barely slide a dime under it. <laughs> oh, look, here comes one of them big shaggy St. Bernard dogs. And maybe I can make friends with them and get some stand-in from my flea circus. Here, Rover. Here, boy. Howdy, Clam. Well, <laughs> Howdy, duty to you. Exhibiting a flea circus at the county fair. That's the truth. I'm in the flea circus business. I started from scratch, too. <laughs> Would you care to help me? What? Me be a nursemaid to a bunch of fleas? Well, don't get so uppity uppity. After all, I remember a few years ago when you was a jitterbug. <laughs> Circus. Over here, in this cage here, made out of a magnifying glass. Here, have a look. Have a look. Oh, gee, they're ugly-looking things. Yeah. What makes them run around like they're scared? Well, don't forget they're also looking at you through the magnifying glass. <laughs> well, I like that. You do? I ought to slap your face. Well, go ahead. I was about to shift my bubble gum anyhow. <laughs> hey, take a peek at this little bunch over here rehearsing. Why? Aren't they tiny? Yeah, the one with the mole on his chin is my favorite. You know? <laughs> I'm fond of all those little creatures. You know, after you're around them for a few days, there's something about a flea that gets under your skin, you know? Oh, but, Clem, a flea circus is such a foolish idea. Why don't you do something else at the fair? Well, I was thinking of uh, setting up one of those uh, booths and sell kisses for six for a dollar and ninety-eight. Might not be fun, but it would be a bargain. If you gave her a thousand dollars. If I gave a girl a thousand dollars, she couldn't kiss me. They wouldn't let me out of my straitjacket that morning. Oh, speaking of money, where are you going to get the money to pay your rental space at the fairground? Well, I tried to borrow some money from the bank. Did they give you credit? Yeah, they said I sure had a lot of nerve. <laughs> I tried to borrow some money on my collateral. How'd you come out? On my collateral. <laughs> I love this tonight. We just shucked this this afternoon, you know. You mean you couldn't float alone? Float alone? I couldn't float if somebody was holding me up. Daisy, would you like to loan me some money? Hmm? Mm, how would 
I know that you'd pay me back. Well, haven't I always paid you back? Never. Well, then that's how you would know. <laughs> I'm coming, Mother. And so is every other hog in the state. <laughs> He's got a sheep. Hey, Bo Peep, where did you get that animated ball of yarn? Now, look, son. Don't go and get sour craft sticks. You said to bring him up here, do you? No, I didn't. I said bring some fleas. Fleas? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I thought you said fleas. Well, now you can see where I got my brain. <laughs> Wasn't much left either. Well, what do you want with fleas? I'm going to make them perform if I can get some money and then take them to the state fair there, you know. Yeah, would you loan me some money so I could get to the fair? Why? Are you financially embarrassed, son? No, I'm broke. (laughs) But it would take more than that to embarrass me. I'm sorry, but I ain't got a dime. I'm just paid off my last five cents to the insurance man. Well, maybe you could hawk something. Oh, son, I hawked everything on. My hair piece, my teeth, my false eyelashes. There's so much of me hanging in that hawk shop window that your pa's suing me for desertion. <laughs> Well, I guess my chance of making some money is just out the window. Well, now, Clem, if you really think you can make a lot of money with that flea circus, why don't you take our old bull over there and sell him to the butcher? Well, Mo, we couldn't do that. Why? He's been in the family for five generations. (laughs) Buffalo Bill gave him to us. That bull? No, it's the gospel truth. We can get arrested for this stuff. Go ahead and take him, son. Maybe you'll make enough with your flea circus to buy us an Aberdeen Angus bull. Oh, Freeman will like to hear that. <laughs> okay, you pile the flea cage on the truck while I get the bull. Daisy June, you want to help me put the bull in the back of the truck? Okay, I'll pull and you push. Okay, come on. Well, he's in. Clam. You have to sit on my lap. Sure, the bull's sitting on mine. <laughs> well, that's that. Well, let's go. Start the motor. Okay. No, I got it started. Now stand back while I run and put it under the hood. <laughs> well, we're off. Oh, it's a beautiful day. Clam, I can't see through the windshield. Glass is dirty. That ain't a glass windshield. Last time it broke, I replaced it with bricks. Clam, with a brick windshield, you can't see where you're going. The way I drive, who wants to see? Clam, think our trains are coming. Oh, well, don't worry. I ain't going to cross the tracks. I'm driving right down the middle of them. Clam! Okay, I'll turn off the track. Look in the glove compartment and see if you can find the steering wheel. Don't you realize that train might 
I hit us and smear my lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> you head with it, too. <laughs> We're coming to a tunnel. It won't be so easy for him to hit us in the dark. It's ever been on radio. Leia, hmm? are you all right? Well, let's see. Two arms, two legs, two heads. Yeah, I'm all here. Leia, you've lost everything. Yeah. Look at my train fleas all over the train. And look at your bull. Hmm? I said, look at your bull. Which hunk? <laughs> David Rose and the Procter and Gamble Orchestra will play I'll Be Seeing You.
A page from the Mean Little Kid's Diary. You ever noticed how little children like to meet strangers? All kids like to be good, too, but sometimes they just don't make it. Let's see what happens to Junior, the mean widow kid. Mommy. Mommy. What is it, Junior? Mommy. What's the matter? Well, I put on my cowboy outfit, and all the juvenile jury kids laugh at me. Don't I look like a cowboy? Look, I turn around. Look. You look like a cowboy to me. Yeah, look. Junior, you're supposed to wear pants under the shafts. <laughs> oh, I thought that bear midwife was a little low and drafty. <laughs> Here, put on these long pants your grandmother made for you. No, they don't fit me. They well, don't fit me. Enough to play around in. Oh. I'll put them on. Okay. You better go wash your legs first. Why? <gasps> Why, your knees are so black, I can't see where your half socks leave off. I got news for you, kiddo. I ain't not wearing any socks. <laughs> and what have you done to your shoes? Your toes are sticking out. Brace yourself. I'm not wearing any shoes either. Well, go take a shower. Okay, okay. I am going to take a shower. I am going to take a shower. I have taken me shower. I have taken me shower. Hey, I've taken me shower. Did you dry real good? I didn't have to. Why? I didn't get wet. Now you get back in there and take a shower. Okay, well, don't hit me. Don't hit me. I'm well, I've looked high and low and I can't find them. Find what, Mother? Your father's false teeth. Are they gone again? Yes. Junior? Yes, Mummy Dow, what do you want? Oh, oh, oh. For goodness sake, you must stand on a towel. Look, water's dripping all over the rug. Well, turn your head, turn your head. <laughs> goodness, I is wrong. Did you know that your grandfather's teeth are missing again? You mean the uppers don't connect with the lowers? <laughs> Poor old boy's gonna starve, you know? <laughs> you know very well what I mean. No, I don't. Somebody took your grandfather's teeth. Well, I didn't... Look, these are mine, see? They're mine. <laughs> these what? are my own choppers. What happened to your front tooth? Oh, I lost it. Sipping spaghetti. Sipping spaghetti? Yeah, you know you take a big long string of spaghetti and... You ship it and you slap you on both sides of the face. And that's how I lost me, too. Somebody tied a knot in one hand. About your grandfather's teeth. Oh. Well, who would do the trick like that? Who would take them? Who would do the trick like that? I'm looking at the person who took them. And I'm looking at the person who took them. Well, hand me a mirror. I'd like a look at him, too. <laughs> The ring. Can't you teach this boy to let things alone? Here, here. Look, Fatso. You, <laughs> you suggesting that she should whip me or something? You suggest something like that? I'm going to tell on you. You'll tell what? Oh, I tell about you being a spy in a civil war. <laughs> now that's ridiculous. I wasn't even born then. Oh no. no. Oh no. Quick, Bernard, give me the secret papers. Well, turn your back. I gotta hide them in my third petticoat. Taste this man. Junior! Why do I let him lead me into stupid things like this? Oh, she's mad now. Now, that'll be enough out of you, young well, man. Well, she started. It's here. Now, you mind me. Put these pants on. Okay. There. Now, yeah. run along. Okay. 
And go apologize to your grandmother. Okay, I'll go apologize to you. Grandma, where's me sweet dear Nemo? They fall for this stuff, you know. Where was my sweet Nemo? Now, don't come in here and soft soak me. I'm not soft soaking you. I'm sorry that I was nasty because you're so beautiful and you're so nice. Well, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> now, go play and let Nama rest. Well, can I get you something? Let me be your slave. <laughs> can I get you a beer or something? <laughs> Uh, maybe some food, some food. No, dear. No? I am hungry, but I'll fix something for myself later. Oh, okay. I will run over now. I know what I will do. I will fix her a bite to eat, and then she will love me again. Well, here I is in the kitchen. There's the gas stove. There's the matches. And me. <laughs> Frightening, ain't it, huh? What's that? Who's coming in there? Who's in there? Oh, here comes the milkman. Well, we have never met before. Well, that's his misfortune that we has to now. <laughs> I'm going to go out and see what... Here, what you doing with those milk bottles? Put them down. Ah, well, I'm only taking the empties away. Oh, no, you not. You think you're pretty clever. Just because I was a widow kid, you didn't think I would notice you swiping them bottles, did you? I'm not swiping any bottles. You ain't? No, these belong to the company. You ain't company. You wasn't even invited. <laughs> now, you put those bottles down because they're going to they'll be trouble. And believe me, if I put my mind to it, I can get pretty nasty. <laughs> I can get pretty nasty, I can. Pretty oh, nasty. brother. Pretty nasty, I can get. Now I know why they've got that sign on the gate, enter at your own risk. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Don't we pay you for the bottles that you leave here? Of course you well, do. Well, then how about kicking in for them bottles that you've taken? A dime should do it, I suppose. <laughs> why, I've never heard of such a thing. You heard it now? If you don't start feeling a dime in me, we don't mix. You remember, I can get pretty nasty. <laughs> okay, okay, here's your dime. Yeah, and a nickel for overtime. What? After all, you wasn't very easy to convince, you know. All right, here's another nickel. Yeah, okay. Hey, now what you doing now? Well, I'm going to put these bottles of milk in the icebox. Only three? Well, my mommy told me to tell you that she wanted 20 bottles of milk today. She's going to take a milk bath. What? Yeah, Grandma tried to take a milk bath once, but she couldn't get the cow in the tub. Well. (laughs) What'd she do? Huh? What'd she do? Well, she hoisted the cow and took a shower. Oh, If your mother wants 20 bottles of milk, I'll leave them for her. Okay, okay. Can you carry all them bottles? Sure. It's kind of hard seeing what I'm walking uh, in. Uh, maybe you could help me. Famous last word. This was a natural born sport, anyway. You let me know how many steps there are on the back porch, sonny. Okay, get uh, start walking, sucker. There's another step, another step. Okay. Boy, I'm thinking of what would happen if I tripped with all these bottles. Funny, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Another step, step up. How am I doing? So good it's discouraging, you know. <laughs> should I tell him that there's a roller skate at the top of the steps? Or should I just let him ad-lib from here? Tell me, are there... Before from that haircut he got. Is there... <laughs> are there any more steps? I can't hold these bottles forever. Don't worry, you won't be. <laughs> just one more step, brother, and you really be rolling. Okay. <laughs> oh!
buttermilk fingers? Boy, <laughs> you homogenize. Little boy, I'm getting out of here. And you can explain what happened. Oh, no, don't eat me. Oh, why do I stay a milkman? Why don't I start my own political party, pass the hat, and settle down? Here, come back here. Help me clean up this mess. If you know what's good for me, you will come back. Junior, oh. what was that crash? If you've broken anything, I... Good heavens, what a mess. Junior? Junior? Yes, Emma? Where are you? Up in the train? Look at all this milk all over the place. What happened? Well, you know the cow jumped over the moon? Yes. She didn't make a correct takeoff and she had a crash landing. Oh. Stay this is tuned NBC, for Voyage the National of the Scarlet Queen Company. next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen and the episode Jewel Thieves and a Straw-Filled Dummy. Scarlet Queen, Philip Carney, Master. Position 112 degrees 32 minutes east, 21 degrees 6 minutes north. Wind light, sky fair. Remarks departed Hong Kong, China, 9 p.m. after breakdown in schedule. Reason for delay the jewel thieves and the straw filled dummy. My main purpose when the Scarlet Queen slipped past Stonecutter's Island and into the teeming harbor of Hong Kong was to locate my Chinese boss, Kuji Kang, or at least to get some word of instruction for the charter voyage that had brought me all the way from San Francisco. But three days passed and I had no luck. I combed the city of Victoria from the peak to Broadway on the waterfront, but the Queen idly scraped her fenders on the dock. My crew poured their money into bar tills. My chief mate, Gallagher, threatened to sign on any ship that was going anyplace. And I grew more disgusted every minute at being stuck, not knowing where to go or what to do. By the end of the fourth day, I didn't care. I didn't care about anything but relaxing and forgetting. I started with a small bar on the waterfront, and by the time I'd graduated through the British Club, the Hong Kong Club, the Commercial Club, and four out of every five non-club bars I passed getting from place to place... I had almost succeeded in forgetting. I swung into the Emperor Hotel, crossed the lobby peopled by a scattering of stiff-backed crown colonists, and made the doorway to the bar to look for a table. I stopped. She was sitting alone with an untouched drink in front of her. She looked up at me, her face set and cold. Her eyes flashed away for a second back. Then she smiled stood up and came to me. Oh, darling, there you are. I've been waiting so long, I didn't know what to think. Oh? You're so late. We'll have to rush to get dressed in time for dinner. Come on, I have the key to our room. I stopped thinking it was the new Hong Kong approach when she took my arm to swing me back into the lobby. Her nails dug in, and her arm and the body behind it was shaking. The plea in her eyes gave me the rest. She was scared, stiff, and she needed me. We turned around and walked out into the lobby. And so 
Mutual continues The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, written by Gil Dowd and Bob Tallman, and starring Elliot Lewis. The Scarlet Queen, proudest ship to plow the seas, bound for uncharted adventure. Every week a complete entry in the log, and every week a league further in the strange voyage of the Scarlet Queen. led me across the lobby without another word, her nails still digging through my coat sleeve, her arms still shaking. When we stopped to buzz for the elevator, I looked back. A very erect, thinly built man was coming out of the bar. His walk was mincing. He stopped by a pillar and looked at us while he put a cigarette in the middle of his mouth with graceful fingers, lit it, and flourished the match delicately to the floor. A powerfully built little five-by-five walked up and joined him. They were still watching us when the elevator took us out of sight. The room was at the front of the building on the third floor. Here. She handed me the key to unlock the door. But when it closed, everything drained out of her. She slumped down on the edge of the bed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm so frightened. Now, take it easy. You want to try a drink or something? A glass of water. Sure. Oh, here you are. Thank you. I, I, I can't hold here, it. Here, I'll hold it for you. Yeah. Better? Yes, I think so. Who was your sylph-like little friend downstairs? His name is... Neil Gaynor. The other one, five by five? I don't know what his name is. They really knock you to pieces, don't they? Neil says he's going to kill me. Why? They were going to follow me out of the bar, and I don't know why. I swear I don't know. They want something from me, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what they've done to my husband. Where is your husband? Neil says he's dead. He says he's dead, and I'm dead. <laughs> Please. Now, this is no time to cry. You're all right. I've no right to ask you. Could you stay with me? Please, don't leave me. It's been my fortune to only occasionally see a woman cry as she did, because she had to. It wasn't an act. It wasn't to gain sympathy. It was a cry of complete, terror-filled desolation. She quit shaking. A long time after that, she got up, went into the bathroom to put some cold water on her face. I'm awfully sorry for everything that's happened. I'm all right now, really. Please, I didn't have any right to ask you, and I don't want you to feel you have to stay here with me any longer. I don't. But you aren't leaving. No. Look, I was on hand when you needed me. You're bargaining? Believe me, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm taking advantage of you because you're in trouble, but if it is that, it's unconscious because I don't work that way. Maybe my world's kind of falling to pieces right now, too, and I need somebody. I'd hate to think that because I've been self-contained for a long time. You aren't going. You could make me go, or you could come with me. Where? Someplace where you could forget being afraid of Neil. 
Someplace where he wouldn't find us. Oh, we couldn't get out of here without being found. I've been tailed through cities before. Pack your bags. I'm going to take you someplace. You're going to take me someplace? No one has said that to me for such a long time. It won't take me long to pack. hotel by a rear door. We shouldn't have bothered. There was enough light for me to see Neil Gaynor leaning against the building. When we got into our cab, he got into one parked behind us. We want speed, driver. Turn left at the end of the alley and I'll give you a direction from then on. The driver knew what speed meant, but his idea of threading through traffic was based on the theory of the straight line. Modified by the belief that the line would open through the snarl traffic ahead of it if he made enough noise with his horn. Okay. We crossed and recrossed the level sections of town with Neil and the other cab trailing in our wake. We paralleled the waterfront, dodged through a maze of warehouses, finally lost him. We climbed halfway up Victoria Peak, took one of the terrace roads to the left, dropped to within a block of sea level, and I finally shouted the driver to a stop in front of a Chinese flat. Right here, Charlie. One called Connie. The year have been many, Sancho. It's time before me. We need a room for the lady, Kimuwe. It is done. Her baggage is outside by the steps. My son will bring it. Follow. Thanks very much, Kim. She crossed the room to the single window and opened the shutters to look out over the blinking, restless movement of the harbor. The maze of Kowloon's lights across the bay. And for the first time, she was smiling. Uh, they keep playing that same record over and over again, don't they? Tell me the truth. Could you tell the difference if they weren't? Certainly. I can tell the difference between one with a singer and one without. <laughs> we'll put you right up in my class. Feeling better? Of course I am. Your friend downstairs called you Connie? That's right, Phil. Phil Connie. You must have one too, huh? I don't want to tell you. Well, give me a phony then, tell me something. No, no, it's not that I want to hide anything from you. You just won't like it. My last name is Ainley. What Ainley? You won't like it. It's Henrietta. Oh, no. I told you. Oh, it's all right. It's a fine name, but you. Becomes you like a... Like a diving suit would. I told you. Well, it's too late to do anything legal about it. I'll call you Hank. Oh, do you think that's prettier? Hank? Not too feminine, but when you look like you do, they could call you Sam and it wouldn't matter. <laughs> so it's all right, huh? Sure. Everything is. Just for a little while, everything is all right. Don't talk about it if you don't want to. I think I do want to. It's simple enough, I guess. You see, my parents were killed out here during the war. After it was over, I was all alone. Uh-huh. 
And I married Lucian Ainley. He was good to me. I don't know what he was mixed up in with Neil. I never asked him about anything. When was the last time you saw him? That was over three weeks ago. You see, our home was in Calcutta, and he, he just left one day and didn't come back. And then I got a cable to meet him here, but when I got here, it wasn't Lucian, it was Neil. And, and I, I just don't know what it all means, because the way Neil said it, I... I think he killed Lucian if, if I just only well, knew... take it easy, Hank. If I knew what he was hey, from... Hey, we're out of the emperor, remember? Yes. We came out here so you could forget being scared. I'm sorry, Phil. Everything is all right. Really, it is. What's the matter, Phil? Everything's... a little frightening. What, Phil? You... What happens to me? Come here, Hank. Yes? I just want your face, like this. So I can look at it. What, Phil? I wondered what makes you so beautiful. Your mouth's a little too wide. Your eyes are a little too widely spaced. Your cheekbones, a little too high. They're playing that same record again. Maybe you don't like comparisons, but this is supposed to be a compliment. There's a woman who's very important in my life. Oh? You look like her. Where is she? She's on my ship. Her name is the Scarlet Queen. She's carved from wood, and she spends all her time under the bowsprit from where she keeps a good watch on what she's leading the rest of us into. You look like her. Do you mind? Uh-uh. I think it's wonderful. I think it takes care of everything that wasn't taken care of before. Phil, Phil, wait. All right, Hank. Phil, I... I wanted to tell you... I was scared again when you said there was a woman. I was jealous. I... I want to tell you what... What's happening to me. That... Puts you right up in my class. Oh. Then it's all right. Oh, Phil... You and your wooden woman. After I'd got Kim Yui to put me up in a room farther away from the incessant phonograph, I lay awake. Remembering that I'd started out to forget the senseless frustration that had bogged down the voyage of the Scarlet Queen. And that I'd succeeded. Hank and I didn't move out of Kim Yui's building the next day. We spent most of our time watching the street from the window to see if our taxi dash of the night before had really shaken off her persistent friends. Nobody bothered us. Nothing did. Because there didn't seem to be anything else in the world except this dream that had picked us up out of the center of reality. But we couldn't or wouldn't leave. that evening and walked, holding to the darker streets and holding hands. A light fog had rolled in to blur the lights in the harbor by the time we got back. And the foghorns were calling nervously to one another.
morning, we hired a taxi. It followed the winding, picturesque road around to Repulse Bay. We swam in the blue water. Lay on the sand in the sun. Drank in the hotel bar. It was just before sunset when we got back to Kim Yu-Wee's. Climbed the stairs. Opened the door. To find the dream invaded. The room had been ripped to pieces and it was cluttered by the things from her luggage. In the middle of it stood the slight, mincing man from the Emperor lobby, Neil Gaynor. His graceful fingers holding a small Japanese automatic. Ah, Tristan and Isolde, do come in. Neil. Neil, go away. I'll come to you. Will you really? The door, Captain Connor, close it, if you will. Dear Henrietta, you're actually blowing. What's happened to you? I must know. Please, Neil, give me just two hours. I promise I'll come to you. The power of man, really, the utter effectiveness of him. What has he wrought in reality? Look, Nola, straighten up and say something. I'm losing my temper and I'm going to make you kill me to keep me from getting my fingers around that dimpled throat of yours. Phil, please, please don't, Phil. What Isolde means is that I would put out both your eyes before you took two steps. Bang, bang. I don't see how you stand the noise. My aren't we brave? All right, my man of action. And knowing your type, I will show you how sweetly my little one speaks. Just the tip of your right ear. <laughs> you control oh. yourself, Henrietta. Turn your head, Captain. See. Just a slow welling of good, healthy blood. Just a nick. <laughs> and another one beside the first. Now, my man of action, I hope you feel some respect for my little one. And I will leave my warning unspoken. Sit down, Henrietta. Your man will remain behind you. How much have you told him? About what, Neil? Oh, you're such a young, innocent... Aren't you? <laughs> How much have you told him? I, I don't know what you're talking about, Neil. How could I tell him anything? Who are you trying to impress? After all, the captain shouldn't mind if you're only a few hundred thousand pounds sterling outside the law, should you, captain? As long as you're enjoying yourself. I don't know what you're talking about, Neil. How interesting. You mean the disposal of jewels valued at 200,000 pounds was too unimportant to be discussed in your home? Neil... Do you mean my husband? I do indeed, what? and you know it. Lucian Ainley and the brilliant robbery of the Hemelian Transport Company. You believe it, or you wouldn't have flown so rapidly to Hong Kong after my cable tour. I was worried about Lucian. You were worried about the jewels. Where is Lucian? He is dead, oh. my dear. And you and your captain will be also, unless you tell me where the jewels are. Neil, I don't know anything about them. Lucian never told me anything. Believe me, I, I don't know. I really... Neil, Neil, what are you doing? Sit, Neil. Neil. I... You tell me the same story for 40 minutes, I'll try to believe you. I'd moved two inches closer to the chair while he backed halfway across the room. He had a thin leather belt in one hand and he held his automatic in the other. Just as his arm went back and he was briefly off balance, I dropped to my knees behind the chair, grabbed the legs and threw everything. Chair, rising girl, and my 210 pounds on him all at the same time. I stumbled across Hank the Tangle, sprawled forward into Neil's legs just as his automatic snapped. I got my feet under me, pulled him partway up by his hair and one shoulder, gave him my right knee. I heard his breath leave him. When the pain doubled him up, I hit him just above the chin with my right I got to my feet, lifted Neil by his clothes. I took him out of the room. I stopped at the head of the stairs. And I tossed him down. Phil. Phil. What's the matter with you? Oh, are you all right? Sure, I'm all right. Hold me, Phil, please. Hold me. Did he hurt you? Very much. The devil he didn't. So could we go someplace else? You mean five by five might show up now? Oh, I think so. And we aren't going anyplace else. We'll wait for him. Go get some decent clothes on. 
Do something with your face. You're a mess. We didn't have to wait long for our next visitor. When I heard his footsteps on the stairs leading to our floor, I hustled Hank into a corner where she'd be out of sight. I waited at the door with Neil's automatic. A funny approach, and for a split second, I had the crazy hunch that it wasn't five by five. The hunch was right, it wasn't. Skip! What the devil happened to you? Gallagher, what are you doing here? Well, I came up to talk... Talk to you. What do you want, Red? I just wanted to talk to you. Don't you think this vacation has gone on long enough? What do you mean? I just want to know if you're going to turn into a Hong Kong playboy or come back to the ship, that's all. I think the least I deserve is the truth, don't you? Yes, Well, I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about the boys and the crew. After all, they're as much your responsibility as mine, and I'm not... Well, you... Can you come out here so I can talk to you? Yeah, sure, Red. What? Some dough was delivered to the ship for you and sailing orders from Kang. Did you open them? They were open. The next port's high farm. I was thinking if you want to stick around for a while and come down by land, I could take the queen down. Well, it's none of my business. How'd you find me? Through the police. You're mixed up with some nice hot company this time. I know it, Red. They got their clamps ready for your... your girl. And I'd like to see you get out before they shut. They've had their fingers on every move you've made since you met her. You're in deep enough, Scott. All right, Red. All right, gather the crew. We'll sail at nine tonight. <laughs> Attaboy, Skipper. There are plenty more like her where we're going. Yeah. What? What is it, Phil? Come here, Hank. Sit down. Is this goodbye, Phil? You just tell me if it is. What if I told you that Red was taking the ship and that I was going to stay here? Oh, that'd be bad for you and good for me. And we'd make it somehow. What about that 200,000-pound bundle of jewels? Would it make any difference, Phil? No. Now, what if I told you that the police here in Hong Kong are absolutely sure that you do know where the jewels are? Phil, that's impossible. Unless Neil made a sworn statement out of his suspicion. It's true, Hank. They're ready to take you. I... Listen, if I could draw the police away from you and give you a break... You we... draw the police away from me. You wouldn't take the break? With you drawing the police? What kind of a break would that be with you in danger for no reason at all? Phil, why are you saying all these things? To get to the real way out and to make it sound as simple as it really is. The Scarlet Queen is sailing tonight at nine and you're going with her. I could go with you. You see how simple it is? Oh, it's with you. That's all I can see. It's the way out, Hank. We'll figure the rest when it comes up, okay? Oh, okay. How can I answer that? How can I answer a question as big as my whole life? Just say sure it's okay and shut up. Better just shut up and come in. Everything's going to be all right now, darling. Isn't it? I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of anything. You have to leave a lot of your stuff. That's all right. You can only take one bag. I'll 
take it down to the ship right now. Oh, you're going to leave now? I have to, Hank. Got things to take care of. Oh, yes, yes, I know you do. Yes, and you'll be back when? I'll pick you up at 8.30. Phil. Oh, Phil, hurry back. I've gotten so used to you. It's about three hours, darling. We can handle that, can't we? I don't know. Hold me, Phil. Oh, yeah. Three hours. I don't know if I can get through them or not. I took her one small bag with me when I left. I got down to the waterfront without being followed and took her bag into a dive. Drank my way through the longest three hours of my life. I had to do it this way. I'd asked her if she'd let me draw the police away and she'd refuse, so I had to leave her. I had to do it my way. A quarter after eight, when she was counting the last 15 minutes to the time when we'd be together, I made an anonymous phone call to the Hong Kong police. In a quarter to nine, I staggered drunkenly aboard my ship. Carrying in my arms a straw-stuffed dress. At the end of the pier, I saw the police I'd called. I walked a little slower. Then I saw him. The squat figure of five-by-five skulking in the lee of a warehouse. And I knew that in the mist, the object in my arms would pass very well to all of them as Henrietta Hank Ainley. On her way to Haiphong. Blanketed harbor, cut past the invisible stonecutter's island, and turned south into the steady roll of the South China Sea. The wind we picked up outside swirled gray dampness across our decks, rattled the running rigging. The miserable crew moved sullenly to their stations at the halyards. This foggy departure meant nothing to them. They hadn't known Hank Ainley. The main sheet moved sluggishly up the mast, and the moisture that clung to it gleamed dully in the faint glow of our running lights. The men moved like martyrs to a lost cause. And the jibs moved out, then the mizzen, and the Scarlet Queen groped her way into the fog. That's a bad night, Skipper. But not much shipping down this way. I guess we don't have to worry too much about collision. Do you think so? Oh, c- come on, Skipper. Pull out of it. <laughs> What'd you do, fall in love or something? Shut up! Get out of here, Gallagher. Leave me alone. Hey, Skipper, climb off. What did I do? Nothing, Red. Nothing. Look at you! What's the matter with me? You got us two points off course and the mainsail is starting to flutter. 
That proves she wasn't good for you. Oh, look. You already got one lady in your life. That scarlet beauty under our power spirit. Log entry. The Catch Scarlet Queen. 11.30 p.m. Miles traveled from San Francisco. 11,047. Dense fog. Wind light. Sail reduced because of bad visibility. Ship secured for night. Signed, Philip Carney. Master. The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen has come to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Shadow, followed by yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.